Gazette Newspapers presents the Parting Shots Podcast. Now, here's your host, Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor, Ken Schott. Thank you, Scott Geezy, and welcome to the Parting Shots Podcast. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe today. Thanks for joining me from the Parting Shots Podcast studio in Schenectady, New York. I'm going to get you set for the Final Fours in the NCAA Men's and Women's Basketball Tournaments. Former Siena Women's Basketball Head Coach Allie Jacks, who has been doing a fabulous job as an analyst on radio and television, will help me break down the Women's Final Four in Minneapolis, with UConn taking on defending national champion Stanford and South Carolina facing Louisville in Friday's semifinals. The NCAA Men's Basketball Tournament is down to the Final Four. We have four powerhouse teams playing for the national championship, but this year's tournament will be remembered for St. Peter's run. To talk about that and more is the head coach of the Siena men's basketball team, Carmen Massarello. Carmen, now welcome back to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. Well, just what, you know, St. Peter's obviously a rival in the MAC. I mean, how impressed and how proud were you of the, uh, the Peacocks run in the tournament? Oh, no, I just tremendously proud obviously i thought they represented our conference well and anytime you can beat kentucky and beat purdue and murray state who was you know a top 25 team it's uh it's great for the league happy for shaheen holloway and his staff and you know i think it also shows when a group is connected and, and cares more about their teammate next to them than themselves you're gonna have tremendous success when did you realize was it watching the kentucky game that and then them beating them in overtime did you have a sense that maybe this could be something special yeah, you know, I just thought the way they play, and, you know, I'm not sure if teams took them for granted, right, if they see the St. Peter's on their jersey and they watch and they don't have any, you know, five-star recruits. Did teams really think it was going to be an easy game? Obviously, we all knew in the conference that they do a great job. They're tough. They're gritty. They defend. And so, you know, I think the biggest step for them was withstanding a couple Kentucky runs and then going punch for punch with them. You know, and then I think, you know, anything's possible with that power of belief. I mean, what does this mean for the MAC, the, the way the uh, St. Peter's getting to the Elite Eight? I mean, they fell short against North Carolina. I mean, but the fact that they got that far, what does it mean for the conference? Well, I mean, I'll probably be expected to get to the Final Four next year. So, <laughs> um, with that being said, no, I, I think it's great for the conference. I think it comes down to, you know, playing your best basketball at the end of the season, right? You want to be peaking in February, and then you want to be, you know, playing your best in March for the conference tournament. I yeah. think it's always going to set high expectations. You know, Coach McCaffrey, when he's here at Siena, you know, was able to win, you know, back-to-back first-round games. And now, obviously, St. Peter's run being the first 15 seed to do it, the first MAC team to get to an Elite Eight, um, I think it's tremendous. So it's going to obviously set the bar high. But it's uh, what makes March Madness in college basketball so special. And that's why I think everybody loves the Cinderella story and just – I think it's awesome that it was from our conference and a team that we played multiple times with people I know. You know, Rasheen Davis does a great job. He's one of Shaheen's assistants. Uh, you know, their players obviously all bought in and, and loved it, and he returns most of them. I mean, if you look back, Casey Nadefo was in the transfer portal and decided to come back to St. Peter's because he really wasn't getting the traction that he was hoping to get. And then he comes back and he's, you know, defensive player of the year again. So I think it's a great story all around. I think it's, you know, really just fitting for that David and Goliath 
kind of story, right, where you have all the bells and whistles of these power conference teams, and then you have uh, just a team that believes in themselves and are gritty and tough-minded, and they come to work every day and just compete, and, and it shows you can win. Of course, the school got plenty of attention there. I mean, just the fact that it's a small school, a commuter school, basically. Uh, they, the, the gym they play in is really, really small. I mean, I mean just, just seeing all those stories, I mean, what did you think about that? Oh, I just, I loved it. You know, I love seeing Shaheen and, and, you know, on different talk shows and Sports Center and different interviews and obviously the post game with the guys. And, you know, one of their players, Doug Eater, was getting, I think, Buffalo Wild Wings for free and, you know, posting different things on social media, talk about his mustache. And, you know, that's what makes it special, right? The, the characters and the personalities that make up each team. And then, obviously, every team has their own stories and their uniqueness. But then, obviously, it's magnified when you become Cinderella. And I think that's what's really cool about the tournament and, obviously, St. Peter's run, where now it's, you know, our guys seen it. Now, if we can try to emulate it. But the biggest thing is just, you know, understanding how they did it and how their collective buy-in was, right? The collective buy-in is is when teams win yeah how for you for, and for, the, for your team for next season how do you use this as motivation uh to get your uh program to get back to the ncaa's yeah just hey it's one day at a time and it's not worrying about anything out of your control and, and doing all you can to help the team in, for that unified success you mentioned, of course, you mentioned Shaheen Holloway. I mean, as we speak right now, he's you know rumored to be in line to take over Seton Hall. What what is it about Shaheen that you like in his coaching style? Uh, I just think he's he's a genuine genuine guy, right? He's going to keep his players accountable, and he's going to demand from them what he wants to demand, and, and they're going to listen and they're going to respond. Um, you know, obviously, he was a tremendous player, McDonald's All American, and uh, I think it'd be great. And you know, obviously, he's get a chance to go back to his alma mater like I am here at mine. Well, let's look ahead to the uh, Final Four this weekend. And, and we, before we came on the air, you're going to be down there uh, watching the games uh, and down in New Orleans. And, of course, you know, Kansas-Villanova, that's that's the sideshow. The, the big game everybody's going to be watching is Duke and North Carolina. Who would have thought that you know, this, you know, Coach K is going against uh, this bitter rival? And how much fun will that game be? And you know, how much – attention is this game going to get oh i'm excited to watch you know we we make a point of going to the games and you know going out for dinner my wife and i it's kind of her reward for for putting up with being a coach's wife all season and then you know i'll probably have to take her on a real vacation after the final four too (laughs) but you know i just think it's going to be a great game obviously caleb caleb love is is doing a great job for carolina and they're they're playing probably their best basketball this season as is duke so uh, I don't want to pick a winner, so don't ask okay. me. I just want to enjoy. I just want to enjoy watching that game. And then, obviously, you know, I think the Kansas the Kansas Nova game is going to be really good too. So, you know, when it's all said and done, right? When the dust settles and Cinderella's got her slippers back, and you know, all the upsets have come and gone, you still have you know four really really good teams playing in a Final Four to win a national title, which I think is awesome. Yeah, of course, this will be the final weekend for Mike Chesky as Duke head coach. Uh, I know we're not, you know, we're not picking the games, but how good would it be to see him go out on top? Oh, I think it'd be great. Obviously, he's been an icon uh, in the profession 
uh, you know, and his story is what I think is the best, right, with him coming from West Point and then, you know, it took him a little while to have a winning season at Duke, but their athletic director believed in him and now look where he's gone. So I think that's really cool. Um, obviously, Greg Paulus at Niagara is a good friend of mine too and, and just some stories I've heard from him with, with how Coach K was is, is great. And then obviously growing up as a Shenandoah guy, you know, Greg Kubek, his claim to fame was playing in four Final Fours for yep. Coach K. And mm-hmm. that was, you know, pretty early in, in Coach K's career, too. So, you know, I've just heard so many different things, so much respect for him and what he's done in the profession, and obviously on top of the USA basketball stuff. So, you know, I think it'd be great. I mean, th- say they beat North Carolina, though, I mean, that's going to feel like the national championship, and then they're going to have to go play a tough team. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but uh, how much has Coach K influenced your coaching style? Um, you know, I, I just think the discipline. You know, I think him coming from West Point and different books I've read and and stories I've heard, you know, it all comes down to discipline and and, and accountability. And I think for me, my next step as a head coach is to continue to demand that from my players and to continue to grow because, you know, times are changing. Now, obviously, everyone wants to talk about kids not changing, but I think what happens is you have so many other distractions where you got to be able to get kids to understand the why and I think Coach K really does that I think he has a great approach and, and obviously he's won a ton of games yep. how's your offseason looking so far oh well, I don't think there's really an offseason anymore <laughs> right you, you, you go from you know losing in the conference tournament to coming home to recruiting and then you know we're doing individual workouts with the team and they're back to lifting and conditioning and uh you know, we'll do that all the way up until May, basically. And then the guys will, you know, ones that are graduating will graduate. The other ones will finish school, go home for a little bit. And then they'll come back in June. Uh, they'll go home in July. They'll come back in August. And then we'll go on a foreign tour. So it's always planning. It's always, you know, going over processes and what worked and what didn't work, what I liked, what I didn't like. And, uh, you know, really self-evaluating, too. Yeah, I just, I find it amazing. Man, I've been in this business for since 1983 when I was in college back down in New York, Pennsylvania. It's amazing that, you know, as you mentioned, there's really no off-season anymore. Back in those days, you know, once the season ended, the guys went home and, you know, just relaxed and really, if they got, they took care of themselves, if they did take care of themselves to stay in shape. But it's it's a lot different now. That's just amazing. It's it's basically a year-round, year-round position. Yeah, that's, uh, a lot of people don't understand the rigors of what goes into it. I mean, for me, the season is obviously the best part, right? You're coaching, you're playing, you're competing, you're game planning, you're prepping. And then, you know, you know where your guys are, right? You know they're getting on the bus to go play a, a road game. You know they're going to be at the arena to play. And then, uh, you know, now you have the off season, and, and obviously you have the transfer portal, um, and, and you have all these other things now that you have to kind of be mindful of. And, you know, on top of being able to – you know, have chemistry on the staff and build cohesion and also synergy in that way. And, and then you're recruiting um, with what scholarships you have. If there aren't any departures, you still have scholarships. And so roster management becomes the, the biggest thing in college basketball. You know, how are you building classes? How are you balancing classes? Um, and then how are you, you know, getting your guys to trust that you're not going to recruit over them and you're going to have, you know, them with a vision of how you want them to play the following season. And then you need carryover on top of, we're not even talking about school, right? They're student mm-hmm. athletes. We've got to make sure they're, they're going to class and they're finishing strong. You know, they were on the road a good amount during the season. And, you know, we had COVID makeup games that really threw a kink into what we could do with practices. Um, so, you know, it's always going to be a game of adjustments, just like life. And I think that's the biggest thing is teaching them life lessons. How was dealing with COVID this year different from dealing with it uh, the previous season? 
Yeah, you know, we still obviously had the the pause where we had to make up a couple games. You know, obviously, I think with our guys, you know, more or less boosted and vaccinated, you know, that helped in, in the way our community was here at Siena um, with how safe they were. And, and that's a credit to Dr. Gibson. But, uh, you know, I, I do think it still impacted a lot of teams because based on who you were going to play and when you had to play those makeup games, you know, now you're, you're, you're kind of wearing your guys down um, on top of the injuries we had. But, you know, it, I think it, it played a factor. Obviously, you know, the year before we were the second to last team to start playing, um, not till January. And this year, obviously, we were able to practice a little more. And so, you know, it was uh, it was fine. You know, we managed it, and we overcame. We don't make excuses. So, you know, we just kind of moved on. Well, Carr, appreciate a few minutes talking some basketball. Enjoy uh, the Final Four down in New Orleans, and uh, we'll catch up uh, sometime soon. Well, I appreciate you having me. Always enjoyable. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll keep an eye on those Wildcats. All right, appreciate that. Basketball radio and television analyst and former Siena women's head basketball coach Allie Jacks joins me next to preview the women's final four. You're listening to the Party Shots Podcast. It's been a trying year for parents. They've been confronted with countless challenges and have always risen to the occasion. If it isn't too much to ask... The 370,000 high school student-athletes in New York have one last request. Please, set an example. Disorderly fan conduct at high school athletic events is on the rise. It increasingly involves parents. There's no question that parents are passionate. There's no question they care about their children. But at a time when we're all wound a little more tightly than usual... It's worth remembering this about New York high school sports. Always be a good example. Stop unruly fan behavior before it starts. This message presented by the New York State Public High School Athletic Association and the New York State Athletic Administrators Association. Hi, this is Daily Gazette sports writer Stan Hootie. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor, Ken Schott. Welcome back to the podcast, and before I uh, introduce my next guest, I want to let you know that since uh, my interview Tuesday with Carmen Massarello, it was announced Wednesday that Shaheen Holloway has left St. Peter's to take the Seton Hall head coaching job, and uh, congratulations to him. Well, now let's talk the women's Final Four. Friday's semifinals have Louisville taking on South Carolina and defending NCAA champion Stanford facing UConn. To help break it down is someone who is making a name for herself as a college basketball analyst. Please welcome the former head coach of the Siena women's basketball team, Allie Jacks. Allie, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Oh, great to be here. I know you were, as we talk here Wednesday night, you just got into Minneapolis, uh, site of the uh, the Final Four. And just, uh, just your thoughts about Shaheen uh, getting the job at Seton Hall. Well, it's just really exciting time for him, and what an amazing run for St. Peter's, and honestly for the MAC, it's just really, just a really cool example of a team catching fire at the right time, and just having a whole lot of fun capturing the country's, you know, interest. It's just really cool, and obviously, while the MAC is gonna miss him, it's a no-brainer for him to go back to his alma mater and. I'm just really happy for him. Yeah, you were down in Atlantic City for uh, working for ESPN uh, uh, doing the sideline reporting. Did you ever think that St. Peter's would make that kind of run? <laughs> well, what's 
crazy about it is I was doing sideline for the Iona Ryder game that, you know, when you look back on it, if Ryder doesn't upset Iona, does St. Peter's even get out of the tournament in Atlantic City with the championship? You just it, It's funny how one basket here or there can change the course of history and fate and everything else. So, you know, it was a really competitive tournament down there and just really, really happy for him and happy for Seton Hall as well. Yeah. Well, let's uh, talk about the women's Final Four here. I mean, everybody's got their focus on the men's Final Four, especially the uh, Duke-North Carolina matchup on Saturday in the semifinal. But we have a very exciting uh, women's Final Four, particularly that second semifinal game Friday night with Stanford and UConn. I mean, everybody, I think a lot of, I think all basketball, not just, you know, women's basketball fans, I think, I mean, including myself, I'm going to be able, I'm going to have this game on in the office Friday night. I mean, just how exciting of a matchup is this? Well, I think that matchup is exciting, but I, I don't think you should look past the South Carolina-Louisville game. I've seen every team in the Final Four. I've called a game at least one for every team in the Final Four, except for Stanford, actually. I called South Carolina down at Battle for Atlantis um, when they played Buffalo. I called UConn down there as well back in November. And then I called UConn's big East championship game against Villanova and South Carolina. Uh, most recently, two games in the Greensboro Regional. And uh, Louisville, of course, um, was able to see them and when they played against U Albany. So, you know, it's funny, Stanford's on paper, they're returning national champion, and they're really the one team that I'm not super familiar with. Um, I think when you talk about that game, Paige Beckers is the story right now. She's really playing better and better every game. Obviously, her coming back home to Minneapolis, which is where she's from, I remember seeing her play as a seventh grader when I recruited Dee Dee Winston. <laughs> It's funny, she was actually wearing a Sienna t-shirt when Juno went to see her once because uh, we had signed Didi mm -hmm. at Sienna. But uh, anyways, Paige is just a winner. She's a clutch player. She's a player that doesn't come around too often, and, and she's special. And to see her getting more and more healthy, um, you know, I think that bodes well for UConn. But that Louisville-South Carolina game is going to be great. I mean, Aaliyah Boston is ridiculous. She's She is unstoppable in the post. And Louisville, their transition game and how they press and how they defend it, it is scary to go against. So I think women's basketball right now is really proving why we deserve the support and, um, you know, the, the money and the dollars that have been put into it a little bit more this season than in years past. Yeah, because I remember last year in the bubble down in San Antonio, it was just a, a lot of bad publicity, for, especially with the way the, uh, the teams were treated, uh, inferior uh, practice facilities, inferior, inferior um, exercise facilities, and rightfully so, the NCAA caught, caught a lot of heck for it. Uh, now we're, we're seeing the March Madness uh, logos on the women's court, which I never knew they were never allowed to use before. Which is like, it's kind of ridiculous. And now the six, they finally get 68 teams for the tournament. So I, I, to me, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to see that it's progress, but I, does more need to be done? Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's not just the, the the prize of the NCAA tournament that gets the publicity. It's everyday practices of athletic departments across the country. And Title IX has been around for 50 years. And while change isn't always immediate and sometimes it takes some time, we are far beyond we are far past some of the excuses that athletic directors and departments make 
um, as women's basketball just just being, you know, like, like, let's just, let's not worry about them. Let's just focus all of our focus on the men. Because when you invest in women and you invest in our game, good things are going to happen for your athletic department. Yeah, you know, Buick had that commercial, has been running that commercial of me, uh, with the women's athletics. You mean, not seeing, you hear the, you hear the, the play-by-play, but you're not seeing the sound and saying there's, uh-huh. there's got to be. I mean, I know Darren Rovell, you know, was questioning then and he caught a lot of hell, and rightfully so, because I think he, his tweet was stupid. Uh, but to me, I mean, I, 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 I've enjoyed the women's uh, athletics. I mean, the basketball is good, and uh, I mean, it's, it's a lot of fun. I think the women's uh, you know, sports should get a lot more attention than it does. Well, it's a different game, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so on the men's side, it's athleticism, it's dunks, you know, it's pick and rolls and everything else. On the women's side, there's definitely some storylines. Well, we might not all be above the rim dunking yet, although Stanford does have a young lady who's thrown it down in a game. Um, you know, it's, it's a different brand and it's a different game. And I think there's a place for it. I mean, there's a place for it in the American marketplace. And I think the people that are finally really investing in it are, are figuring it out. I mean, let's be realistic. Can Marist women's basketball in their prime was second in the conference behind Siena men in attendance ahead of all other men's programs. Hmm. Like, think about that. Yeah. Like, and they play at seven o'clock on Saturday night. Now, granted, you could say they earned that or they had earned that. But I mean, there was, you know, it, it wasn't automatic. Brian Georges did a fantastic job. And I mean, they outdrew most men's programs. So I think when you invest, I, I think good things can happen. Well, let's talk about the, the first matchup, the South Carolina-Louisville um, matchup. To me, South Carolina, obviously, with the experience. Louisville, you know, first, I, think, I think this is their first time in the, in the Final Four. So, I mean, how much does the advantage uh, go for South Carolina? Well, and this is Louisville. This this Louisville's team. It's their first trip. But Coach Walls has been there three times previously. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think South Carolina's front line at six five and six four, and then they bring six seven off the bench. I think that's that's something that Louisville's going to have to contend with. That being said, a number of years ago, Jeff Walls upset Brittany Griner at Baylor and had a game plan that worked against then the most dominant post player in the country. So Coach Walls is a uh, fantastic X's and O's coach. He really knows what he's doing, and he gets his kids to play hard. So, you know, I think it will end up being closer than people think. Louisville can put the ball in the basket, and there's times where South Carolina struggles to shoot from the perimeter. So if they catch South Carolina on one of those nights where they struggle to make shots, anything's possible. Of course, the uh, Louisville, I'm sorry, the uh, UConn-Stanford game on uh, Friday night, the second game at 9.30. Uh, UConn coming off that emotional double overtime victory over NC State. Uh, is not really much uh, chance to recover and rest. I mean, is that going to be a disadvantage for them? I, you know, I think you could argue that South Carolina, or that, I'm sorry, Stanford's traveling from California. You know, I mean, I it's going to depend on Paige's legs, honestly, and I think it's going to depend on UConn's defense. You know, they really struggled to get stops against NC State, and it's been something that they struggled with during the middle of the season when they had a number of players hurt. They couldn't really depend on their defense. You know, Coach R.E.M. is notorious for those runs at the beginning of the game, at the beginning of the second half, where they just get up, you know, 10 or 15, and then you're constantly playing from behind. But they've struggled to get stops at times this year. And then Dorka Juhas also 
broke her wrist the other game, the other night in that game. So without having her to spell the post players coming off the bench, you know, that, that could play a factor. Um, but Gina Oriamas. <laughs> arguably the best coach yeah. in history. So, you know, and when you have a player like Paige Beckers who just finds a way to win and she's feeling good, that's uh, going to be an interesting matchup. Well, South Carolina's got to be locked in. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you mean Stanford, right? Stanford, I'm sorry, yeah, Stanford. <laughs> maybe, 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 maybe something like thought to be locked in if they played for the championship. Well, <laughs> I think everybody would love to see South Carolina and UConn again. Yeah. But, uh, I, I mean, it, it, honestly, this is one of the first times that I can think of that it really could be anybody's it could be anybody's trophy to win. Yeah. I mean, I, I watched that game, and Gino Oriamba, I mean, he's a Philly guy like me, but to see, he was seeing more emotional than than usual after that game. I mean, is that – did you see that, and what did you think of it? You know, I was able to spend some time with him. I, I've been to a couple practices this year. He's somebody I consider a friend. And, you know, my former boss, Joe McEwen, is also a Philly guy. Both went to Father Judge, so they know each other. I know. And I've been I, I know, I know, yeah. for a long time. So, yeah, so I, I'm, I'm lucky to – to have somewhat of a relationship with him and Chris Daly as well. Um, you know, I think this coaching job this year, I, kids are different now than they were 20 years ago, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And with the transfer portal and all the things that go into trying to keep kids happy, but also trying to, you know, make them extremely uncomfortable because the only way you can grow is if you can get uncomfortable, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. In life, not just basketball. You know, I think that's a delicate balance. And he's had some players leave this year and transfer, and he's had a ton of injuries. And it, there's been some chaos, for lack of a better word, for that program, which is typically not, you know, it's not like that <laughs> over in stores. Um, but I, I think he's weathered the storm, and he's said himself this has been one of the best coaching jobs he's ever had this yeah. season. Um, so I think to see that team rewarded by getting to another Final Four, I mean, it's been like, what, like 14th Street, Sweet 16s yep. or something like that yep. for him? Like, it's a failure for UConn if they don't get to the Final Four. Like, how ridiculous is that? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's ridiculous to think about, but that's what they've created. So I think that, you know, I think it was really rewarding. Um, and then there's also the heartbreak of one of your players breaking her arm. Mm -hmm. Right. So, yeah, yeah, it's a ton of good storylines, you know, you gotta, everybody's got to tune in on Friday night. It's worth it. Um, yeah. our viewership is up, our game is growing and it's, it's exciting to be a part of. I actually know where father judge is because I, I grew up like 15 minutes from there. Oh, there you go. Well, see, you grew up then with Kathy Rush and Immaculata oh, and yeah. girls basketball mattering, right? Yep, like, uh, yep. I went to Kathy Rush camp when I was little. Yep. So, you know, Jim Foster and Joe McEwen and all those names that came out of Philly, Teresa Grants, all of them, I mean, they're pioneers in our game, and Coach R.E.M. is one of them as well. Yeah. Uh, speaking of ties uh, to Schenectady, uh, Tara Vanderveer, of course, uh, had, you know, had some time here with her yep. family. Uh, what has she meant to the game? Consistency. You know, when I worked at Northwestern, when the average ACT score for the average student is 33 out of 36, right? When the average SAT score is 1,500, and you have to recruit to that every year. And it's not easy, right? Because, you know, the players that you're recruiting are, are busy becoming biomechanical engineers or, or whatever. They've got 
loftier goals than just basketball, but I think what she's been able to do over time at Stanford is tremendous. And while they had a drought of national championships, for her to be able to get her program back there is awesome. And, and I think what's really cool about it is all of her assistant coaches played there as well. So, you know, they, they bleed Cardinal Red, and, and I think that that's a really cool story that she's loyal to her players as well as her players are loyal to her yeah well as i mentioned you have been doing a lot of broadcasting this year with you know doing games on you all been on espn plus espn three uh westwood one how much fun have you had this year of course now you're doing the patroons with uh, marissa jacks yeah let me tell you i sleep <laughs> like <laughs> as a head coach or as a coach you wake up at three o'clock in the morning worried about stuff and I've actually gotten good night's sleep this year, so um, you know I don't I don't know what the future holds, Ken. I've got a couple opportunities to get back into coaching if I want to, and um, I'm not quite sure which path you know my life is going to take. But I know my husband's cancer free. I know we've had a lot of fun this year. He's having a really good time working with Will Brown, and that's been great. And I've really enjoyed calling games and just kind of being the basketball nerd that I am, going to a bunch of different practices and games. And I'm just grateful to everybody who gave me a shot. Um, yeah, to get a Westwood one game for a regional was kind of a big thing. So that was really fun and really cool. And I'm just excited for whatever's next. Okay, who's playing Sunday night for the championship? I think it's going to be Stanford, South Carolina. And the winner is? I'm going with South Carolina. Okay. Well, I appreciate a few minutes. Enjoy your time in Minneapolis, and thanks for doing this, and uh, we'll talk soon. Sounds great. Have a good one. Thank you. Thank you. That's Allie Jacks. I'll be back to wrap up the podcast and have the latest winners in the Daily Gazette's You Pick Up or actually think they track the auto racing contest in just a moment. favorite high school sports memory? A late inning rally? A game-winning shot? A photo finish? Maybe it's a pep rally or a pregame ritual. Maybe it's the euphoria of a late-night bus ride home after a hard-fought win. Maybe it's having pizza with teammates after the game. Now, imagine if it never happened at all. School sports need your help. With budgets getting tighter, it's more than the games that are on the line. It's all the traditions, the community pride, the culture of your hometown high school, plus all those memories that are on the line, too. What can you do? It's simple. Buy a ticket when you can. Go to a game. Take the whole family. Let's do everything we can to keep those cherished school sports memories alive. This message presented by the New York State Public High School Athletic Association and the New York State Athletic Administrators Association. Hi, this is Daily Gazette sports writer Mike McAdam. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette associate sports editor Ken Schott. Back to wrap up the podcast. The week six winner in the Daily Gazette's auto racing contest is Jeff Shealy of Alplus. Jeff wins a $50 ShopRite gift card. Congratulations, Jeff. The VIP winner is Scott Lucier of Capital Land GMC. I'll announce the winner of the contest, and that winner's name will appear in Friday's Daily Gazette. If you would like to play in the auto racing contest, go to dailygazette.com and click the auto racing contest banner. Keep checking out dailygazette.com and the print edition for the latest updates in news and sports 
on the coronavirus pandemic. I want to thank all the doctors, nurses, and first responders who are dealing with this pandemic. We appreciate the job you are doing in this difficult time. If you have not gotten vaccinated, please do so. Do it for yourself, do it for your family, and do it for your friends. That wraps up another edition of the Parting Shots podcast. I would like to thank Carmen Massarello and Ellie Jacks for coming on the show. On next week's show, we'll talk Major League Baseball. Newsday Mets beat writer Tim Healy and New York Daily News and Yankees beat writer Christy Acker will join the show. If you have questions or comments about the podcast, email them to me at shot, that's S-C-H-O-T-T, at dailygazette.com. Follow me on Twitter at Slapshots. The views expressed on the Parting Shots podcast are not necessarily those of Gazette newspapers. The Parting Shots podcast is a production of Gazette newspapers. I'm Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Schott. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time. From the Parting Shots podcast studio in Schenectady, New York, good day, good sports.